0: Hey everyone, my name is Ricardo. I am a Venezuelan living in Prague, Czech Republic, working on launching and growing tech startups. On this podcast, I would like to share stories, struggles, lessons learned, and valuable resources from experts entrepreneurs by like me, living in different parts of the world to inspire others to kickstart their dreams. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. Thanks for joining us today to the social impact nights during July, 2021. And the purpose of this event is to interview great impact driven startup founders and managers to learn about their experience and get practical knowledge that ideal case, you can even start implementing after this, this call and. Also, of course, inspires people to start their businesses, and of course, based on the experience of the founder, not commit the same errors that maybe someone else can commit. So, in ideal case, you can go ahead and, and move, move forward faster. Uh, today, as you know, we are having Vladimir Miesko, uh, who is an experienced entrepreneur who is committed to systemic change through entrepreneurship across different parts of the world. Uh, She's working on a mainly two projects, but I think she's involved into more companies. Um, one of them is called Lean Exponential is a venture building studio in Pakistan and the Future Farm, uh, is a community and a podcast that she's running, talking about mental health and other important subjects that we should take in account while we are an entrepreneur. So, welcome, Vladimira. Thank you very much for joining us today. And how are you doing?
1: Thank you, Ardo, and uh, for having me. And it's quite exciting. I, I, I'm not sure if I've done this ever before, although I've spoken a lot of events, but this is pretty unique. Uh, to see other people and doing this, you know, and so it's, it's, it's a nice experience, first time. It's awesome to see everybody in a mix. I see some names that I know. because it's really lovely to have you here. Uh, some Great. people I don't know there, uh, Some people, I think. So yeah, exactly.
2: Great, thanks
0: Bobby. um so just to let you know, today we will talk about different topics, about your personal story, about mental health, about each of the startups you are participating in companies. And uh, I will do the initial questions and then uh, I will open the microphone to any one of you of the audience who have any specific uh, questions and you can do it. But meantime, we will start with some initial introductory um, questions for Vladi. So, Vladi, how do you define yourself? So what what is your, what are you currently doing?
1: Okay, so you asked me, right? One is a little bit more esoteric in a way, or broader, like how do I define myself and describe what I'm doing. So try to maybe combine them together. Yeah. Um, so, currently, so we're thinking about I don't know your name, Crezol Marketplace. That how you appear here, We chatted. Can you share your name?
3: It's is uh, and where the Crezol is coming from? Yeah, right.
1: And what? oh, okay, okay, lovely. So, so, we you, were you, ch- so you,
3: you put so. I know it's showing my name in here. It's, it might be my company account. swing.
1: so it shows us your company, right? I, okay, I do apologize. So, my name is Iqbal. Iqbal, lovely. Yes. So, we were talking to Iqbal at the beginning before we started. Um, so, Ricardo, I'll come to, to your question. But, uh, so currently sitting in Pakistan, that uh, I would never really thought of um, as somebody coming from a small town in Slovakia of 12,000 people. So some of you guys will know on this call, so when I entered Pakistan, people started sort of laughing at it. They were saying it it is the size of one Pakistani wedding, the city I come from. So they immediately gave perspective. Um, But I think the place where I sit today sort of links to who I am. Um, I always sort of saw myself in some way as a global citizen really. Uh, I never sort of had that identity really, or introduce myself like, oh, I'm Slovak or European, or, you know, when people go, yes, I have some roots from from home, obviously, but I think the connection of uh, traveling the world and and connecting to people was very strong for me. Um, I'm currently being an entrepreneur, if I use the box of sort of self-defining myself, as you said, uh, currently I drive to businesses, so one is here in Pakistan um, that is focusing on building and growing local businesses that are mostly focused on impact. Um, so they have a strong social impact at Engel, and all of them are technology businesses and we are trying to help them grow across the Pakistan and some of them even beyond. And the other venture that I that I run is sort of a, more of a global venture and that's a business that is trying to, or that is focusing on the stigmatizing or breaking the stigma around mental health and particularly mental health of entrepreneurs. That as you can imagine, we all have our own challenges, but being an entrepreneur it has sort of an extra layer of pressures uh, and there is a lot of research and data to support that so we looked at that space and there was so much of uh, stigma and at the same time lack of support for entrepreneurs on this journey that we said we have to sort of start doing something about it so i can tell you obviously more about it and I'm curious what you guys are yeah. interested in but those are sort of my two two boxes these days um but If you want me to go into the wider, you know, self-deficient, I think it's a lot related to breaking stereotypes, breaking stigmas, being part of initiatives that are in some way pioneering, purpose-driven, working with people who are sort of values-driven and where you feel that you can be yourself, um, being connected with the wider community a global citizen, all of those are sort of some attributes that I think are could in some way define who I am.
0: Okay, sounds amazing. So how do you, um, um, basically on your story, so you said you are located right now in Pakistan and if you come back and reflect about the past, so how do you come to Pakistan after after being born in Slovakia and been traveling and living in several countries. So can you do a brief yeah. a reflection about how come how, how did you arrive to, to Pakistan and how do you decide to kick start this adventure over there?
1: Sure. Um, so it started in this small place in Slovakia. For some of you, you will know because I see some Slovak names. For you guys who don't know, so it's a beautiful mountainous country, a little over 5 million people in the middle of Europe, Central East Europe. Um, We've been part of Slovakia for a very long time of our history, and that's what people, a lot of people remember or connect us with. Um, I have left Slovakia when I was about 18 years old. Um, I went my sort of university studies and I had this vision that I'm part of foreign policy space and diplomacy circles and um, I was intrigued by the world and indeed for a few years I've done that so I'm part of sort of European Union institutions um, but I was very young and frankly and that bit, bit each I mean if you sort of had elbows and, and, and you grab some opportunities you could make your way in in those foreign policy circles, but I felt really disconnected from what's happening on the ground. So we were like sort of helping to draft some European legislation and regulations. And and I felt that I had such a lack of experience of what really is happening for people that we are building those laws and and legislation for. So I took us Sort of first pivot on my journey, and, and, and I went to study my master's, which was in human rights democratization. Uh, that was in in, in Italy, in Nice, a lovely place, but a little odd, odd for those who don't know. But it's like a small, nearly island in, in part of Italy, North Italy, and um, it's a very surreal place. But the experience itself was very enriching because I was studying with people who already have been professionals. So they've had a working experiences in such a variety of spaces. There was a lot of uh, army professionals who were coming from conflict and conflict and they were trying to sort of a human rights lens on what they're doing and then they were to their missions. There were a lot of lawyers, uh, foreign policy uh, professionals, people like myself and Moment, sort of on my journey, because I felt that I, I'm re, like I can connect to the human rights issues, to the social causes, and that sort of, I would say, sort of framed my values to the extent. Um, I had an opportunity working Kuvav that was uh, still sort of in the forming phase. Really, was it was a few years after the conflict. Uh, and again, I, I was able to work with people who are really in need, and I'm, we're talking about some of the very very basic human rights. I was particularly working women uh, on topics like violence against human right to education, um, anything you can sort of imagine on that basic rights level. Um, and and I found that that's a, that's a place that resonates, and I can also contribute and create some value. I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs so if you imagine sort of what I choose so far was everything sort of in a poly space or maybe more like a nonprofit angle there was nothing about entrepreneurship my parents well as my sister they're all engineers and there was also this push from my family like uh, if you are if you don't become an engineer everything else sort of Softy, soft humanities. what are you going to do with your life? It's not the proper perfection. So maybe some of you, you know, it can resonate. So I had to really find, find my way in a way to really allow myself to offer the choices in life that I felt that were more resonating with who I was authentically. So the path to entrepreneurship and then Pakistan to Kosovo and doing this work on women's rights, uh, my personal life brought me back to Central Europe. I, at that time, when I came back, this was early sort of 2005, six, uh, the startup ecosystem in Slovakia and Czech Republic was really at the early days. And I've made a lot of friends who were become either startup founders, or they were building startup gallery and they were, First of all, they were so fun to be around. I mean, those people compared to my policy crowd, they were just, I mean, it was such an enriching mindset that they had in terms of risk averse. And I mean, they were jumping off with the rig and um, they were thinking about causes and technologies and, and this was new, but it was very, in a way, I felt, how can I sort of, to this place and from a day one it wasn't clear, uh, but I was sort of open enough in my mindset to do another shift in my career, so I from the policy towards entrepreneurship, at first I was mostly doing the more systemic work, so connecting the with government, investors, sort of playing bridge role between the different stakeholders. And it really fit my skills and who I was. And the more I got into it, I, I sort of was more intrigued by the really the power that you as an entrepreneur have to shape and, and address problems. And when you are in the policy sector, maybe some of you are here who are on the call, you are you have experience from that sector. It it takes a long time to get things moving. As an entrepreneur, what really amazed me is that you can start moving much faster and, you know, if you have a key focus, you have that execution. Um, that was one of the angles that really get me or sort of me going. Um, so I made that shift in my career, the entrepreneurial space, moved from sort of the backyard, of the building of the ecosystem. I uh, FinTech fund in London. I was working with sort of portfolio founders across the world, uh, and in that in that phase, it started sort of coming together for me. The issue right. right or social causes. So I was always intrigued to work with entrepreneurs who were thinking about beyond the financial value, beyond creating income, right, and the sort of, and the financial value, I think it's it's uh, the, the sort of best way to describe it, that they were thinking about, okay, how can I address a bigger problem for the society? Either it was on the social side, environmental. So they were thinking in a broader sense. So that was one. Um, I knew that I wanted to work in emerging markets because what is happening, you know, when I worked in London or U.S. a little bit with entrepreneurs, obviously there are Houses of problems to work on or to work with but the skill of you can have in the emerging market developing countries is immense you literally surely impact people's lives in, in a massive way and that was something that I knew I wanted to be part of if I could in my life so I got in Africa um, and then I really it happened happened to me. I tend to believe I was open to it, I was ready for it, but um, my today's co-founders, one of them invited the Shay, Sheik, and he said, join me on this journey, come see the country, meet the people, meet the local engineering ecosystem, get a touch, get a feel. Um, And I said, yes, and this is three years ago. And since then, I haven't looked back. It's been it's been a beautiful journey, and I'm happy to talk more about it. But I think maybe the last thing that I'd like to say, I you know this is a long answer to your question, <laughs> but the journey was not straightforward. Yeah. Um, is I think what I'm seeing in here is that when we work with our founders, the low entrepreneurs, they are thinking about how they can also create and then in some way enable really the end customer. It's The piece that I really love is that we are being moved here away from, obviously it's still here, but the entrepreneurship is moving away from the charity model, the handout dependency model towards creating jobs, giving people enablement, giving them tools, giving them opportunity to take their life into their own hands, which gives them, I think, coming back to self wars and dignity and I don't like the word empowerment. I think enablement has a much bigger sort of uh, power is a word, but that's what sort of gets me up and going beyond awesome food and, and, and diverse culture and just sort of enjoying meeting those folks. So that's, I think in a nutshell, roughly how I got here.
0: Okay, okay. So yeah, it was really good answer. And thanks for, uh, let's say, bridging the dots to how how did you arrive to Pakistan? Um, So now you said you have three years on this journey. And yeah, so how how this journey has evolved for you and what industries and needs are you currently solving uh, as a priority number one? for the Pakistani entrepreneurial scene. Let's
1: mm. say. So I came here to work with a company that was in, it was a part of one of the biggest telco companies in Pakistan. And I was uh, working with, so I'll just, put it out there because the Pakistani crowd will know, but I was working with Jazz Cash, which is a mobile wallet that is sort of aiming for also providing the sort of financial inclusion, uh, digitizing the access for people uh, to financial services. So that was sort of my entry point. Uh, that, that took for about, about a year. And after that, I sort of entered and what we are doing today is something we call financial wellness, which goes beyond financial inclusion. So, to simplify it, I mean, if you think about financial inclusion, it, for a long, long time, we understood it as the need of people to have a bank account. So, opening up a bank for a farmer in, uh, you know, north of the country in Hunza, which is the beautiful, beautiful part of Pakistan, so remote area, so that was sort of the initial idea but for a lot of those people doesn't solve for their needs right it's just let's say sort of a connection but the fact that they have some other financial physical social needs and they don't have the luxury of having an insurance company another company for taking a loan having a bank for a bank account the idea is for those people that are using a, most of the time it's basic phone but although the penetration of smartphones is rising in pakistan as a really a tool of enablement we are coming in as neem exponential so that's the name of our venture here in pakistan and we're helping this agricultural tech company to bring financial services into their offering and that's the financial wellness concept so through the platform through the phone tomorrow the 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 company will be able to provide to the farmer a loan very basic loan a very basic insurance so let's say insured his crop or her crop or her livestock better say because women are mostly working in livestock here not so much crop against bad weather so bringing financial services through different I would say businesses in different areas. So I just mentioned agriculture, but we have a business that is working educational sector. We have uh, another business that is deeply in financial services uh, that is providing a smartphone to about 50 million Pakistanis who don't yet have a smartphone. And through that smartphone, once they will uh, be able to buy that from a retailer, they will also be able to buy it on installment. So they'll be able to take a small loan So that whole financial wellness concept that we are trying to sort of integrate and build in is really around enabling that life of that one person at the end of of, uh, the end customer, whether it's in agriculture or it's a parent or it's, you know, let's say a student who is is, uh, usually not a student, actually. Let's say that's a driver, a rickshaw driver that wants, wants a smartphone, but one needs to buy it on installment. So we're trying to sort of bring those propositions uh, to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many more sort of nuances to it, but I think that's the high level thesis. And the way we do it is that we are trying to help the local entrepreneurs to really think about the strategy around this, to think about the team, to think about sort of investment that they need for this. So we are helping them with fundraising, So we are not a traditional venture capital firm, we're more of a, we call ourselves a venture builder. So we build businesses together with those founders.
0: Just as a follow up question, is a bit different out of what we are talking about right now, but in all this journey, uh, I imagine you have ups and downs, right? And uh, it wasn't everything perfect. Um, And I imagine is how you arrived to mental health. If you can tell us a bit about that, how do you arrive to uh, see mental health as a need in in general, and what are you currently implemented for your mental health running two companies?
1: Yeah, I wish I would I would have a sort of solution for it, but I don't have. It's uh, you know, it's it's a it is a roller coaster. Um, but said that so we started future farm really out of the need of um what i've seen really on in different parts of the world so whether this was in london this was in slovakia or even today pakistan is that there is all of us on this journey i'm going to specifically talk about so when i say all of us primarily now addressing entrepreneurs, although mental health is part of each of us, whether we are or are not entrepreneur, right? Emotional and mental health is part of uh, all of us, the same way as physical health or spiritual health, but we just haven't paid so much attention to it, or we, we're not necessarily maybe raised that way to be able to talk openly about it. Um, so when I was working with a lot of those entrepreneurs, most of the focus, was on building the business. Scale the business, most of the advice was about how do you optimize your marketing and how do you sort of get an investment. And everything is focused on that, you know, growing the potential of the business, but the core essence of it, the person, the people behind it were forgotten somewhere on the way. There was nearly no conversation and even less of, some support provided to the individual, to the human, you know, like to their sort of and I mean, we can call it the well-being or health uh, because really the health as we define it covers those number of aspects from physical, emotional, mental to um, spiritual. People define it in different ways. So we said that cannot be because this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. You can't survive, and it cannot be that. Yes, it is a roller coaster, as a journey, and it's not necessarily about taking the barriers away, uh, but it's about equipping yourself in, in the same way as you know we were trying to, or we are trying to get ourselves healthy on a physical. Life, right? We take vitamins. We go running. We do different things. For each of us, but. I would bet on it that a lot of us, even on this call, we do much less of for our mental and emotional health. So we sort of framed, we build this company that we call The Future Bar. Um, the idea is to open a conversation about mental health globally among entrepreneurs, that we feel more safe to talk about it. We have a podcast where we bring entrepreneurs and they talk about those moments of doubts, the moments when they were vulnerable, the moments they were hard, and they also talk about very openly, you know, just how difficult it is and that it is okay to express the emotion out there and, and look for some support and connection. And then we also talk a little bit about what are some of those tools, because there are ways So one of my findings, and that's, I connect to your second part of the question, is like what I do as well, is that, you know, guys, I've learned from talking to all of those entrepreneurs and even from myself is that it it comes back to small things. It comes back to trying to know yourself, understand what are the stressors for you on a daily basis. So what are some of the things that cause you most stress? So... For me, for instance, it can be if I spend, let's say, you know, in my busy day and I bring social media into it, I know for me, social media, for instance, is a major stressor, like it creates additional sort of a stress in terms of a mental health or um, when I sort of create an expectation for myself that are absolutely unnecessary and, and I allow myself to fall under the pressure of expectation from the environment, from my parents, from the sort of you know, ecosystem of other news that I read and the headlines and 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 all of that sort of creates a you know, major sort of a pressure for your for, for yourself, for your well-being. So what I understood is that the the basis for details are really simple things so as i said get to know yourself so both on the side of what are some of the stressors for me but then also what are some of the ways that help me energize so for me every day if i would say there is one thing for me every day i have to take a small walk disconnect i have to manage my intake of social media I have to have a good sort of amount of nutrition, good amount of sleep, small things. I have to connect to people who are outside of the work because it allows me to build my other identities. Not, I don't want to sort of see myself only as entrepreneurs because if my both businesses fail, there's a huge chance, we know this, 98% businesses fail. I don't want that to impact me as bloody that I have failed. So I need to find those places, right? So those are just sort of few things that I tried to plug into my, really a calendar. I I had to build a discipline around this for myself because naturally they just fall down on the ladder of priorities. Um, I think they will be different for each of us. Uh, And maybe if I would encourage like one small things to do for each other is for yourself is to get a pen and a paper and 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 do a little bit of that exercise like what are those things for me that cause me stress be aware of them and, and and try to watch out for them and at the same time what are the things that energize me and help me sort of bring myself back to balance right although i'm not sure if there is a balance the balance keeps going up and down there is not necessarily that one place but I think being aware and level of self-awareness and that consciousness about yourself and you know what sort of drives you where in in, in that in that sort of spectrum is very important for that uh, overall mental health and well-being But we could go much deeper,
0: but I think that's where I'll leave it for now. Yeah, thank you very much, it's it's really helpful. And I think I will grab some of those tips that you have. And of course, self-awareness is something really important.
2: My name is Taj I'm joining you guys from Islamabad, Pakistan. Um, I just want to start with saying uh, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing very openly and very uh, transparently some of the things that I'm sure were a lot harder uh, than they were talking about. Uh, So I guess my curiosity right now is... uh, I was resonating with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about specifically in regards to mental health, especially when we look at kind of removing the layers and finding human beings at the core uh, who are thrust into a number of situations, especially I'd say with larger experience for Pakistan, I see patterns within uh, our discourse, not just at work, but within uh, other cultural spheres as well. My question would be, you when you're looking at financial enablement, what what are some of the challenges right now that NIM is especially interested in? You mentioned Agritech uh, and you'd mention uh, accessibility to mobiles. Uh, this is from the technological and financial enablement part of the component of perhaps another uh, social enterprise. That kind of well, my question is beyond financial enablement yeah. and beyond, uh, tech enablement. Are there any particular challenges that you're looking at, especially when Pakistan is concerned?
1: Mm. Thank you. and uh, lovely to connect to you. I mean, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Islamabad. Also, it's a it's a great place, beautiful, uh, surrounded by beautiful nature and mountains. I always enjoy to go over there. Um, So nice to connect to you. Thank you for the question. So at the moment we are open to, I would say companies from really diverse sectors, whether we are on the lookout for a healthcare company, uh, we are looking on a prop tech, so property technology. So when you think about real estate, um, we are, Looking still very intensively in financial services, the agriculture, education. The reason why I'm saying those companies as a verticals or sectors is that we sort of understood that nearly every aspect of our life or the, the part of society that we are serving uh, or need on, on the on, uh, on the market in some way needs financial services as an enablement. So whether you think of healthcare or agricultural education, there is a need for embedding. We're calling, we're calling it an embedded finance concept or financial wellness as a, as a core. But the embedded or integrated finance can be really in any sector. So if there are companies in Pakistan that are looking for integrating financial services into their offering, to their core customers, whether that's an individual or it is a, let's say a SME, small, medium enterprise or micro uh, enterprise like the Criana stores that a lot of you guys will be familiar with. We are interested to work with them. Obviously, we always try to look for a fit, but that's, I think what really defines us is that looking for the need of integrating financial services in those different areas of the industry Those are just some that I mentioned that have that need. I think the other piece that I would like to highlight is that we are also looking heavily on um, gender gap and gender inclusion, particularly around women. So for instance, in uh, the agri-tech business, at the moment we are very uh, actively working on sort of reaching women farmers. So we have understood that they form a major Part of agriculture force in Pakistan, but they're not at the receiving end. Let's say women farmers don't have access to take a loan or need or also they have a limited access to those advisory services that let's say the company we work with provides. So we're trying to find innovative ways to sort of not close necessarily yet because that's a long journey, but minimize that gender gap. And that really goes across the mobile adoption. So the smartphones, education sector that we have, uh, the agriculture. So that's another strong aspect that is important for us. But I would say, again, different areas of industries that you can think of, and all of them sort of meet the financial services enablement. So that's where we come in as, as uh, subject matter experts. Hopefully that gives you a better
2: idea. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that email, Anjala. I really appreciate
0: it. Okay, so thank you, Vladi, for the answer and anyone have any other questions,
2: guys?
4: Hi, so, so thank you for the talk, Vladi. So I have like quite a few questions. Yeah. So first of all, like I would like to introduce okay. myself. So so I have worked, like my background is from accounting and finance. I worked at a private equity firm Then I moved into the startup space. And I also tried my hands on consulting and development work. So, uh, so it's like very interesting when you're from the finance, but you're integrating it with the impact, then you feel like you are doing like something that is tangible and also intangible. So, this is like where I come from. Uh, I have like three to four questions. First of all, it was like a very nice, nice discussion. So, you mentioned that you worked uh, in Africa and uh, I just want to have a perspective of how Pakistan is different from African countries and also from the other Asian countries because many people say that uh, many people that compare Pakistan with Indonesia that they have many unicorns and things like that so how Pakistan is different from African countries and also other Asian countries
1: yeah thank you Radhika and, uh, it's really nice to hear you know, you 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 hear and see you here. Uh, for the others, we've met with radical in person, so there is a little bit of connection. So it's always lovely to uh, reconnect, reunite. Um, so I would say, for, so first thing to put things into context. So when we sp- speak about Africa, Africa is a huge continent. With help me here, how many countries? I believe it's fifty one. Maybe that I overshoot it.
0: I, I, I am Googling it. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, okay so Google, 54. Google, 54. Okay, good. So I didn't overshoot it that bad. That, that. Um, so I think this is something to keep in mind, right? Uh, that when we speak of Africa, it's very important to keep the perspective in mind. So, for instance, I have done uh, work primarily in Ghana and Kenya. Uh, at the moment, for instance, we work uh, quite intensely with South Africa which is, has been much more developed on the journey also, when it comes to, let's say, the entrepreneurial ecosystem and the needs uh, on, on the market as well. So I would say that something that we need to keep in mind and, and it's hard to generalize, but I will tell you Radhika from my experience, right? So it was very interesting because I've done my work in Kenya when it was in a similar sort of, uh, phase as Pakistan is right now, it it was sort of uh, hitting that growth curve, uh, the exponential curve, really. Uh, We were just talking with Ricardo that uh, you will probably know, but for for everybody else, is that in Pakistan, just now in this first half half of a year, we have raised, well, Pakistani companies have raised about $120 million of funding which is already a double of the total amount raised in 2020. So really we're sort of hitting the, you know, curve that is both on the interest of the international investors, the digitizing, I mean, to a big extent, COVID also helps in terms of the uptake of the, of the digital uh, tools uh, from the customers. But Radhika, two questions. So when I did my work in Kenya, it was really seen as the hot hub for sort of startup ecosystem, digital, uh, uh, digitizing, uh, the financial services were really booming and that's where we have done our work. Uh, it was also heavily telco led market. So um, one of the major sort of um, startup M-Pesa that maybe some of you are familiar with, um, was led with uh, Safaricom, Safari, Safari which is a major telco uh, in, in Kenya. So it was similar to what you, when you look at uh, Easy Pesa or JazzCash here in Pakistan, led by uh, a telenor or Jazz, right? So the, the major telco operator. So they played a major role there as well. The, I think the similarities as well were in the fact that there was a lot of uh, sort of capital coming in. The entrepreneurs were really savvy however there was a lack of experience and 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 that was coming really from the place of the, the local founders entrepreneurs just did not have that many opportunities as somebody who was let's say uh, sitting in london or for that matter in slovakia the entrepreneurial ecosystem was not developed to that level however there was a major sort of influx of money coming in which in some way also deformated the marketplace um, and and that's to say that i have met a lot of founders in kenya who were running on number of grants and they have not developed a sustainable business models but there was a lot of money available for that ecosystem and i think there was a shame to some extent because there was a, primarily from international investors because it sort of got a major hype and buzz around it. So I think what I'm seeing now in Pakistan is that there is that wave that is happening right now. And you can see Pakistan appears on media like Angelist or the international investors are looking into Pakistan and startup ecosystem. Um, but I think it's important for, for the ecosystem to sort of keep also its two feet on the ground. Really, let's build some sustainable business models that are not inflated because a lot of the sort of trick sits in the valuations that can go to the, you know, like you get huge valuations, but the reality actually of what's on the ground or track record of the customers that we are serving with our entrepreneurs are often very small so i think that's a, that's maybe something that we could learn from some of those emerging markets um and, and may potentially do it differently but it needs to be an ecosystem play um other than that i actually personally find a lot of rather a lot of similarities rather than than differences in terms of um uh, how the market has <laughs> developed or shaped uh, I don't have that much of experience with other South uh, uh, Southeast Asian countries. It is very true that Pakistan is compared to Indonesia as we're somewhere be- sort of seven years behind Indonesia. Uh, so there's probably a lot of learnings that we can take from the market. Um, we, it's, it's interesting to see some of the players like GoJack, which some of you will know, uh, that is a player that has a sort of a lot of um, verticals that it is a sort of a super act in a way, right? So we're seeing that model really booming in Indonesia. And it's interesting to see whether those soup into other areas, like they will introduce, let's say, financial services beyond the mobility, uh, whether they will go and, and I think they are very much looking for, uh, towards um, also going into the food delivery space. And we've seen it with Airlift, right, moving from mobility to, uh, now move, moving towards food delivery and and grocer app and all of that. So, I think there are things that are similar, but obviously also also unique to the market. But overall, my perspective is that with my experience in in, in Ghana and Kenya, is that there has been a, rather a more similarities of that emerging market
4: with Pakistan. Yeah, thank you for the response. All right, so.
0: Um... Does anyone else have more questions?
4: I so,
1: uh, was raising a hand, and but Radhika, maybe if you have, I don't know, Ricardo, you see if we have time and how we're doing.
0: Yeah, uh, well, feel free to answer the question from Tydar first and then Radhika, you can have the question after if that's okay for you.
4: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Tyler is saying, well, if she's pronounced well, sorry, I'm not correct. Uh, any track record of purpose driven businesses performing better than their profit driven counterparts?
1: So two parts of the answer. What I have seen are in uh, in emerging markets is that most of the businesses I have worked with, by the nature that they're operating in emerging markets, and they're solving for the needs of of those customers, most of the time, they're really solving for a major pain, major problem, because there are so many issues to solve for. Rather, when I compare it with uh, my experience in London, there there were 50 businesses solving for such a small incremental comfort of the end customer. So, in some way, what I've seen in those uh, in, in the context of de- developing uh, countries, emerging countries, is that the social, the impact, the the social change was in in some way embedded in that sort of uh, business. Well, not a business model, but in for a lot of them also a business model, but in the model of the business by the nature of what customers they are serving. Of course, we'll find, and I've seen also. Businesses that were like solo-driven by financial sort of value creation and you know by revenues and they didn't really care about any further impact that they have that they create for the end consumer or wider community or environment. But it's interesting because my experience has been that I've seen many more of impact embedded businesses, whether it was in Africa or in Pakistan than in my experience, let's say in the in UK, in, in, in London, um, or you in, in Europe for that matter. Um, the other answer is that uh, there is uh, one business that I really love that is not in Pakistan, neither in Africa. It operates outside of US, but maybe some of you uh, know it's an outdoor company called Patagonia. And they're very. I would really recommend you to read a few of the books that the founder uh, have uh, he he wrote. Um, Some of them are. One of them is called Responsible Company. The other one is called Let My People Go Surfing. Why the Why Patagonia is and and I see that you are also nodding. So they have so beautifully embedded the impact into their profit-driven model. And it's such a conscious business in terms of how they design their products into how they care about the impact on the environment, what communities and partners they sort of embed or partner with as a service providers. And they are far beyond profitable. Their numbers are... I mean, belong in some of the really, um, really, really, I mean, having successful businesses when it comes to, uh, I mean, revenues and profits. Um, And they did not, because they embedded it from the day one, the impact and thinking about what it takes to be a responsible business, they they never really had to look back. And it's um, a family-owned business, which helps because they are the solo shareholder. So they said, you know, this is, lot of times that's the issue, right? I mean, who are the people at the top who set the values of the business, whether it's your investors or shareholders in general? Um, So I think that that was the lack of the fact for them was a sort of unfair advantage. But um, I think one last thought to this is that I'm a strong proponent of I I wish one day we'll we'll forget, we don't have to use the word social impact business. We'll just use the word business and maybe it's naive, but I believe that's the way forward. It's a must that every business, they will also be creating positive impact for society. Or whether we, again, talking about the end consumer, their team, the environment, I think that's the only future. Um, rather than distinguishing, you know, we distinguish today between business and social business, and I think the model itself is fraud because it it's nearly a saying that the business, okay, it's, it's fine, you just care about financial means, and I think that's that's wrong. That that that's the broken model.
2: Thank you for sharing the yeah, answer, and I, yeah, I agree with a lot, lots
0: Okay, uh, thank you very much for the answer, and yes, I hope as well to be part of the moment when business and social business are the same. (laughs) So there is a question from Hyder, and then we will go to Radhika back.
5: Hello, everyone. Uh, I just completed my lifting journey from uh, last year, and uh, I have a question regarding how can I get digital funding? And uh, how can uh, we attract the potential uh, investors uh, uh, for the Pakistan? Because uh, last year when COVID started, uh, uh, last year when COVID started, uh, it was a startup by um, uh, the UVC report. Uh, uh, because a startup uh, that can kill 99.9 percent, COVID jump. within a second? Uh, the, uh, and I uh, I I did my startup in the uh, DICE Foundation. And uh, um, and he give uh, me funding uh, for for thousand dollars. After that, uh, um, uh, after I didn't uh, start on I didn't start my uh, I did not uh, working on my uh, uh, startup because I don't know about that. Uh, about uh, about that, uh, how can uh, how can uh, I, uh, I uh, how can uh, I attract the uh, attack the international uh, the international uh, investors. So, that's, that's my question.
1: Yeah. Thank you, nice to meet you, Heather. So, I would say two things and hope they will help uh, and, and maybe they will be an indirect response to your question. So, my first thought was whether you have considered getting a business co-founder. And that is uh, because, so, you mentioned that you uh, graduated from uh, engineering degree, right? And it might be useful for you to look for a business co-founder for your business. So somebody excited about the idea that you have and somebody who can help and is, let's say, plugged into the business ecosystem, the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Pakistan, and can be thinking with you about how do we plug into the, let's say, startup accelerators or uh, find some mentors and potentially, yes, also look for some investment but my first thought was first of all solo being a solo founder so i'm assuming that you are at the moment on your own is that true i guess you are a so yeah yeah so you're nodding so you're a solo founder so i would say have a look out have a thing about getting a business co-founder somebody who complements you from that business angle somebody who already maybe has a connectivity and understands how the waters, you know, of the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Pakistan flow. So that would be sort of my first uh, recommendation. Um, The other would be, I would suggest to you, to plug in to some of those existing support networks. There's actually quite a lot of those networks. I'm not sure where are you based, which country, which part of Pakistan?
5: I'm from Lahore.
1: From Lahore. So, beautiful. Lahore has National Incubation Center. Lahore has LAMS community, right? That is around the, the university. I would suggest plug into those. Talk to people who are there. Speak to them about your business. You will give. They will get you feedback on your idea. They might tell you, is it ready for investment? Maybe you don't need an investor. Maybe I would even say, forget about investor and build a sustainable model from day one. But that's uh, sometimes the harder way to do it. But I think, Heider, before you even think about an investor, maybe think about those things. One is plug them into those ecosystem. Talk to people about your business idea. Show them presentation or whatever you have, a one pager. Get the feedback and ask whether it's ready for investors and they can connect you. The second would be, think about the business co-founder. I think investor can follow.
5: Yeah, thank you for that.
0: Yeah, so if I Good can luck. compliment the answer from Gladys, so from my experience, I think sometimes you need to, yeah, let's say that even if you're not looking for the investors now, but um, you are more or less selling your, your business idea. So if you find co-founders, you will be kind of practicing for the future of onboarding investors, because if the founders, if you as a founder can onboard the, your team members and your co-founders, is because uh, potentially the the idea have a future and because they will join you, right, uh, to the vision. And then the investors as well maybe will follow after you build something uh, as a prototype or, or something that you have certain traction maybe. Yeah, so that was just a, a a complimentary comment from my side, but maybe that it could be helpful in your journey.
5: Yeah, thank you for that.
0: Yeah, so of course, and of course, always look for people who can complement your knowledge, like um, to build the co- entire company, right? Like marketing, business, or software development, or design. So in the case of a tech startup, of course, if I am assuming that. So if I'm going to move, to the next questions, I think. So Radhika, go ahead.
4: Okay, so uh, there was a startup which had to shut down due to, uh, as like it ran out of cash, but it was like previously uh, funded by the investor. So I just want to know that how failure impacts uh, investors. Obviously like they have the portfolio and everything, but how does it impact on their mental health? Uh, Like the startup they previously funded, but later on it couldn't raise further funding or it ran out of the cash. So how does uh, failure impact uh, to
1: the VCs? Uh, are you asking, Radhika, good question. It just help me understand a little better. So are you asking how is the, so let's say if I'm a founder and my business doesn't make it because i run out of cash, are you asking about what, how does that impact my potential uh, in front of investors for
4: the future? And no, then no. you mentioned also mental health. Okay. So sorry. Those who, who have like previously, uh, gave you the money, like you needed further amount uh-huh. of money okay. and you ran out of cash. So how does it impact uh, on their mental health? Like it was a failure because they gave them the money later on. They ran out um, of the
1: money. Okay. Understand. You know, first of all, it's important that it's a good question. It's a, it's a rare question because, um, usually we look at investors, with as this sort of uh, very special persona. We, you know, there is a power dynamic, very clear power dynamic, right? Those are usually seen as people, obviously they have money and and, and, and usually we are in the, in sort of in the position of need, uh, so that the power dynamic plays out. But I think what it's very important is that we look at them also as humans, just to, and I'll come back to your question, Um, just to give you sort of uh, more experience. So when we were starting Future Farm, which is about the mental health of entrepreneurs, we also talked a lot of investors around the globe. And one of the usual answers, which surprised me, and we got that answer a lot from investors was, why don't you do something for us as well? Our mental health is heavily impacted. This business of being an investor is really tough. So the answer from them was that they also find themselves under a lot of pressure. They find themselves a lot as that in a hamster wheel, because if you actually look on most of the VCs or funds and investors in there, it is, um, it's sort of, a cycles that you run in, you raise a fund, you have to look immediately for, um, businesses that you invest in and then you raise another one, right? And as you said, I think Radika depends. Uh, you might need investors that take, unfortunately, it, it's still a lot of the time it's like that, that we have a lot of investors around the globe, I'm not addressing Pakistan specifically, where they look on their investees, on their companies, nearly as a commodity. The 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 investor's business is a is a risk business where they know they have a portfolio. Out of the ten companies, one will make it, nine will die. So there is often what I came across is that there is a level of detachment, right, on that from that investor level. Uh, so you will meet people whose mental health won't be impacted because they look at their, their companies as, as I said, nearly as a commodity, and some of them will make it, some they will not be sort of take it into account. However, what I have seen, which is, and, and, and you know, hopefully more of that is coming, that change is meeting more and more of, consci- we call them a conscious investor. Those are people that connect with their founders on that human level. Those are people that care about the individuals as well as the business itself. So those people, obviously will be impacted because there was a connection on that emotional level and the individual level. I think, again, from a professional stint, stint, sort of point of view, you take that risk. So you do the investment and same for us as Meme Exponential. We're going into this with a full heart, soul and body, And but the risk is there. We understand that some of those companies that we work with might not make it. Um, but does that impact us on a personal level? Yes, big time. At the same time, do we believe that the founding team or that the founders that we invested in because we believed into them as individuals will maybe find the pivot? Will they be able to build another venture? I think so. There's a, So because we invest into people and the potential of the founder or founding team, then i think the the crash or that disappointment is much smaller because ideas crash for all kinds of reasons but that the talent the potential of the founding team that we are betting on we believe that they can take it into different um journey or different it's either a different company or they pivot their model etc so um you'll you meet with different reactions. That's sort of, uh, my my I think, my answer. And let's hope that more conscious investors will be uh, coming up. Yeah, thank you.
0: All right, Ifal, um, feel free to answer your question.
3: Sure, thank you so much. Um, really interesting conversation, to be honest, I must say. And although you guys are not asking any question to me, because I'm not part of that, but I really feel that, um, The Heather's question, the Radika's question, is really interesting. Where they need it, I've been going through that journey. So, Vladimir has already added a lot more value to it. I just want to add a very tiny bit into for the Heather, especially um, Heather. I personally feel at the stage where you describe in your message, I think rather than focusing on investment, focus on because the investor, like um, Ricardo said and Vladimir said, the investor will come behind you. Investment is, is definitely good, but as soon as you look for investors, you lose the core concept of your product. And I feel at this stage where you're literally coming out from university and you are fully energetic and you have a huge life in front of you and you can go and fall and stand and then do a lot of things, but you don't really need investors. What you need are a good team partners who potentially go through this difficult journey with you. And at this age, you don't really focus on money. Focus on what you want to do. I think that uh, I mentioned about purpose-driven versus um, profit-driven organization. If your idea is purpose-driven, I think it helps you a lot to drive all the way in your journey uh, because that's what should be the fundamental reason for most, if not all, entrepreneurs why they are in this business of entrepreneurship if they want to be into it. Um, so that's just one center for, uh, sort of a sharing from me although you're not asking, but uh, I just wanted to add uh, value on to it. Um, with regards to uh, Ladmir, I think you probably touched the core message about super apps concept um, um, that is what the most of the industry need. Again, it's not something which is yet to be proven, it's already proven because China is the first one who brought that concept into the world and has proven already that the purpose-driven where the super apps are, potentially has a lot more value to add as compared to the other countries. And I think Pakistan definitely needed. Not only Pakistan, but I would say a lot more Western world potentially needed. need it. But it has to be a purpose-driven, uh, again, when I say purpose, has to be a driven which is more oriented where people are looking for it, because large audience is a consumer-based driven for super apps, which is one of the reasons that we are in this business. And although Pakistan, uh, officially is going to get a lot more. I'm sure there are a lot more undocumented startups which are already doing so perhaps. One of them is us as well, who are coming into this space where our purpose is similar to help the individuals um, only for one reason, uh, because no one should be getting benefit because someone has the money. Uh, if they have the money, they can do the business. There are a lot more each mom-and-pop shops that you see in the local areas in local towns. They come into it and... They've worked like since 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning and until midnight, sometimes I see 2 or 3 o'clock, both here in the UK as well as in, in, in Pakistan and other parts where i visited. Those people work really hard and those people are not, they can't really understand the technology. And people like us who are in this part of entrepreneurial journey who has background of uh, technology, we should facilitate them because rather than me taking my money and asking for investors to bring a new product which is potentially rather than helping, giving this another shop into the market. It's not really going to help. So our objective should be to drive it. So how, I mean, if, if you guys are driving that purpose-driven uh, entrepreneurs, are there any forums that you guys have, uh, people like us who can come and talk about those things? Because, like I said, people like Heather and myself and generally a lot more people like us, we who, who, who don't have a huge uh, background of having a financial support. But at the same time, We are very much purpose-driven. So how do we come forward? How do we come and talk about those things um, and then get the benefits from it? And like this one is one of the forums. It's probably my first forum that I've come forward in in like the last 25 years. Um, It's a long journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people die by then, but I'm still surviving. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Is is there anything that you can help us on that? Uh, I know there's a lot more I've said. So, thank you.
1: So... So, yes, well, so I don't think we need any more social media apps or things that are not addressing the real problems. I mean, our earth is melting and, you know, um, I mean, bigger part of society is living below poverty line. I mean, some of those, uh, I mean, you know, sort of statistics and, and realities of the days we are living are, are really, I mean, still really shocking and and, and and sad right so I, I couldn't agree with you more I you know my co-founders sometimes laugh at me in a good way in a good way they say I I have that idealistic approach to but that's the only way forward right and and again so when we start turning the or going away from social businesses towards businesses where the social and impact and purposes actually driven, where we start building businesses that are solving for some real needs. Um, in how Meme Exponential is solving this and how we can, you know, help. Look, we believe that, you know, Meme Exponential in itself has the social impact sort of integrated. The fact that we are going after financial wellness in every business that we work with, there is a strong social impact sort of drive or element or motive right uh, in terms of addressing the need of that end con- uh, consumer customer um so for us really it was at the core of why we founded meme exponential so we are not working with any company that is solo profit driven and is not thinking about those aspects in terms of how we can potentially work together how companies like yourself how we can collaborate i think Look, it's beautiful what Ricardo have created today, that we have a forum like this that we can connect. Um, I would say there are a number of other sort of networks and companies that I know of that are thinking about this actively. So I would say even yourself, if you can start having a more of a voice around this, whether this is through your social media like LinkedIn or be part of forums like this, where you also, you know, not only be a participant, you can also use your voice to amplify that message. More of us needs to do that. So people pay attention and that sort of we create together that wave of pressure. And uh, that's one. I think the other one is keep living that uh, vision that is set for yourself. I think that's already a major, major contribution to the wider uh, world and, 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 you know, sort of impact that we are create, trying to create is that you are building a purpose driven company. So I would say keep on on that journey. You are already doing it. And I, I always believe that, you know, the track record will talk for you and for, for us more than the headlines. So your example might inspire many other entrepreneurs. So sure. keep going, have the voice and I'm sure that on your journey you will inspire sure, many no, others so right, to um, follow your example. I will definitely
3: uh, keep working hard on that subject and hopefully we'll try to be part of the problem rather than part of the other side of the investment world to to, to solve the solution. So to bring the solution.
1: Yeah, there is a big need for that. No, definitely. Thank you.
0: Yes, thank you very much. Um, then my question is about, alright, do you have any a specific books, podcasts, or any uh, source where you read and help you in your journey that you consider really valuable. It can be only one or two because I imagine, of course, there is actually the opposite of overwhelm of information currently, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: So the one, okay, two books, one podcast. So I'll start with the podcast. I really enjoy listening to uh, his name. He's an entrepreneur himself. His name is Rich Roll. And he's uh, talking to not only entrepreneurs and investors, but really people from different walks of life. And he's decoding their journeys. And from a very refreshing, smart, tools-driven, deep conversation Point of view, um, and, and I find really engaging. He talks to top athletes, he talks to entrepreneurs, he has scientists. I think some of you might really enjoy it. So that's the one I, I, I go for. Um, in terms of the books, there is a book that is called Moral Leadership uh, by Jacqueline Novogratz. She's a founder of Acumen Fund. It's one of the major organizations who are focused on impact-driven sort of entrepreneurship and social impact, moral leadership. Uh, It came up about a year ago. Uh, It's a brilliant book. She, by the way, uh, also part of Acumen has been also working in uh, in Pakistan. Maybe some of you are aware of that Uh, and, and supporting the social entrepreneurs here. The book is really about some of the sort of elements that we discussed today that is that we are ready for a different type of leadership uh that we are ready for the conscious leaders for the people who are looking beyond the profit making uh, models uh what it takes to lead with vulnerability what it takes to really thinking about the needs of your customers so it's it's a very uh, inspiring book but also sort of, um, I would say, integrated with a lot of practical examples and and experiences from from her journey uh, across Africa, Pakistan, India. So I think a lot of you might actually enjoy reading this. And the last one is a Netflix book, No Rules, Rules, came up also very recently. And it's a book about a company culture. How do you build a high performing, healthy, company culture, um, what it really takes. It's a very practical guide. Uh, I would recommend anybody who is thinking about a building a business or an organization to look it up. It's very inspiring. Uh, and again, a lot of practical tools. We are trying to integrate some of that um, in NIME in and in some of our companies. So I think you can enjoy it. Those would be probably from the top of my mind, three, three resources that you might enjoy.
0: Great. Thank you very much. Uh, I think really valuable insights. Vladi. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us today. I think uh, all of us highly appreciate it and um, really nice insights and some stuff that we can kick start using as soon as possible.
1: It's been really lovely. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was, was awesome to see the Pakistani audience, particularly. Um, And, and, you know, uh, both in the different geographies, so that always is also uh, sort of refreshing to connect with the diaspora, but um, look, I would maybe just one last thought is that uh, Ricardo, I think it's awesome that you are doing this because as also Iqbal asked, like, how do we come together? So creating more of the awareness about uh, the impact-driven business is needed. Um, and for any anybody in here, I mean, I see two familiar faces, uh, also Saha, Radhika, but now also Heather and, and Iqbal and Mas. Um, keep going on your own journey, whether that's being a part of a business or working with uh, building your own idea or being part of a wider network. Um, keep asking the big question to yourself, take care of your well-being, Think about what drives you and excites you in life. And uh, I always say it's it's just too short to spend it on something that, you know, is primarily only about creating money. We all have to pay our rents and take care of our families, so that's there. But if you can do a few more more things beyond that that give you that joy and uh, purpose and meaning in life, I think go after it.
3: Can I just add one last word into it, Vladimir? Apologies on that. It's easier to make the money. There's nothing <laughs> stopping it. <laughs> it's easier to make the money. You don't need to be entrepreneur to make the money, trust me. But the entrepreneurial journey is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Don't take it easy. Um, I spend literally every day, um, 15 to 16 hours a day work. Sometimes I sleep on a keyboard while writing. Something. I think we, we need to be purpose-driven, As, at least for Pakistan. At least you do. But I'm looking for both the Western world, the Pakistan, the Middle Eastern, definitely. Um, I agree. It has to be purposeful. I'm sure there are a lot more to learn in the future. And I look forward to meeting you again, all of you, uh, wherever in in the future. Thank
0: you very much, Iqbal, for the...
1: Thank you, Iqbal.
0: So uh, thank you very much, guys, for joining us. I hope we can keep connected. Um, Thank you very much, and have a good evening, everyone. Have a good evening, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have gained valuable insights that you can apply just after listening to this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.